everyone, and welcome to the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Sunday, February 15th. I hope everybody had a great weekend, and if you hear a whiny sound in your speakers, it's probably something that a lot of you are hearing this morning if you're on the East Coast. That's the sound of the bitter, witter wind trying to get onto this podcast. Luckily, you have your three normal co-hosts back to battle the elements. I'm Donald Wine, a.k.a. Blazing DW on the DBR forums. My, mar- my right shark this week, Jason Evans, a.k.a. Jason Evans on the board. Say hello, Jason. Uh, I'm outside in the cold, and it's so free. No, I'm not. I'm not outside, thank God. But oh my goodness, it is unbelievable out there. It is freezing out here in D.C. as well. And the left shark this week, Sam Klein, aka Dev Eleven. How you feeling, Sam? Um, guys, it's it's lovely in Denver. Uh, I, I'm I'm not sure what's what's going on with you, but but we're having we're having terrific uh, spring weather. I'm blaming you for this winter wind that you're sending us here in D.C. So that's fine. Uh, that's why I left. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I hate you. I hate you, Sam. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we what will warm your hearts is we had a great week of basketball. Uh, starting with yesterday, uh, let's recap the Cuse game, an 80-72 victory. Coach celebrated his 68th birthday on Friday. Happy birthday, Coach. And the present in the present that we got was a nice little victory, a tough victory on the road. Uh, let's start with you, Sam. What are your thoughts on yesterday's game? Does uh, Michael Benjay get to go into the category of random players who have their best game of their life against Duke. Um, Bootsy Thornton. Hey, hey, hey. He's the new Bootsy Thornton. That's right. Okay, that, that, that's the one. I, I know it starts with somebody, but I can't remember who. Um, uh, I feel like this comes up on the board maybe more often than it should because it's sort of a, we make it a self-fulfilling prophecy that, um, you know, that, that guys who are, who are decent players, you know, particularly I think they're, they're wing players or guards, um, go off for like the best game of their lives against Duke. And it started with Bootsy Thornton in that St. John's game at the beginning of this millennium. Uh, and yesterday, Michael Benninger, the former Duke player, I don't know if you guys heard, uh, he actually used to play at Duke. Um, he, uh, what was he, like like five for six from three in the first half? I mean, he was he was unbelievable. Um, and uh, and it felt like everyone was like, why did Michael Benninger leave? He's such a good shooter now. I mean, he's not he's not as good as he was yesterday, but... The story in the first half was Benajay, and the story in the second half was that we uh, that we started getting the calls that we weren't getting in the first half. Um, it was it was a very weird game. Um, I'm I'm glad we left with a win, but it it didn't make any sense to me. Um, I, I I like I couldn't I couldn't process all the things that I was seeing. That that's kind of my my high level summary of it. Jason, what did you think? You, from a more analytical standpoint, then I couldn't process what I was seeing because <laughs> I Sorry. agree with you. There, no, 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 I agree with you. There was there was some interesting officiating going on. Um, if I was a Syracuse fan, I'd be pretty mad right now. I think, but you know, it it is what it is. Um, you know, the calls are what the calls are. I, I thought the key to the game was Duke's ability to break down the Syracuse zone, specifically by getting Winslow and Matt Jones the ball in the middle of the zone. Um, which, of course, leads us to something that had to be obvious to any Duke fan. Uh, by the way, Winslow and Jones combined for 20 points and six assists, which which is a really, really good number. And it shows you how they were creating from inside the Syracuse zone, which is the way you defeat a zone. But it brings us to something that we all need to talk about, which is what happened to Emil Jefferson. I, I swear, I thought he was hurt. I thought he wasn't playing because because he was injured or something. It felt like he didn't play forever. He, he And then suddenly he came in toward the end. The game was almost out of hand, and, and he came in. Check out the box score. Actually, not the box score. Check the play-by-play. That's what I did. So in the first half, you know, Jefferson had two offensive rebounds. One of them he, he put back for two points in the first two minutes of the game. The rest of the first half, he had two turnovers and one missed jumper. In the second half, at the 1240 mark, he commits a foul. At the 208 mark, he commits a foul. And with two seconds left, he gets the last rebound of the game when the game was essentially over. They just, you know, put up a long distance shot. He put up uh, Jefferson. It's, it's like he wasn't there, both in terms of playing time and in terms of on court production. Look, I love the kid. He plays hard all the time. He's working hard to get his game better. There are games where he helps us out a lot. But let me ask you guys. Doesn't it feel like Coach K has decided who his five best players are and that Emil Jefferson isn't one of them? I think it was a matter – I think he he obviously looked really frustrated on the floor last night, and it, it seemed like uh, that Syracuse didn't respect 
our offense with him in the middle because they knew he wasn't going to look to score. And I think that was his issue last night is that he didn't attack the zone immediately. And so what he did, they knew that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't genuine. So I, I think the issue is he needs to get more in the flow of the offense early. I think we need to establish something for him to be in, in the offense early. Uh, but with Winslow in the middle, Winslow is that guy that, you know, when you get the ball, he's going to look to score. He's going to look to attack the rim. He's going to look to, you know, push and then maybe pass to the open man, which is what he did uh, a lot in the corner with uh, Matt Jones. So, um, and also I think Matt Jones played tremendously last night. Um, he didn't, score as many points as I thought it, it looked like visually. Like I thought he had like 15 points, but he only had like eight. But I, I think that the fact that he was so involved in both, on both offense and defense is what kept him in the game last night. I think the zone defense is just not conducive to Emil Jefferson having a good game. We know that his offensive game doesn't stretch out very far from the basket. And he, you know, a lot of his offense is based on putbacks and, and being open under the, under the hoop because somebody else went to go like his man went to double Jolly Loco for. Um, and that just doesn't happen when you play zone because that's not the way that they, that's not the way that they're going to cover him. Um, so, it, it, but that being said, we've, we've not seen a lot of him uh, over the last few games. And, and I think you're right, Jason, that, that coach K does like to decide who his best guys are and he sticks with them a lot. Uh, Jefferson only played 14 minutes last night and Matt Jones played 32. So, uh, I think that's that's pretty telling about what he thinks uh, as you know as far as the rotation goes. It's also interesting because you know we subtract Rashid Suleiman, and the effect is that somehow Emil Jefferson gets less minutes, um, which doesn't really translate. You know, I was like um, it was like a few years ago in 2010, yeah, 2010 when um, when uh, Lance Thomas hurt his hurt his knee. In, I think it was a game against Carolina. And then the next game, instead of him coming out, I think Miles Plumley got switched with Brian Zubek in the starting lineup. And that was the, the game where Zubek had that you know, incredible breakout performance against Maryland. Um, so Coach K has all these little tiny tweaks that he makes that don't seem like you know, they, they fit the pattern of what's going on with the team. But uh, it worked. I mean, as, as Donald pointed out, Matt Jones had an awesome game. Um, he, he was really dynamic on both ends of the floor, and I was, I was really impressed by that. The other thing that I wanted to mention, because I know I'm not going to get him into my player of the week mentions, but Justice Winslow made two of the most athletic plays we've seen this season from him yesterday. Um, he had the one uh, putback, and I can't remember who, who took the shot, but he had the putback where he ran in from the, from the three-point line and, and, and slammed it back home. And then he also had the chase-down block that the commentators were, were fawning over and talking about how it looked like LeBron James. And, and I, I know that on the, on the board, people have been chided for comparing um, Justice Winslow to LeBron James in the past, but he does, he does have a little bit of that sort of dynamic all over the place athleticism, and, and we saw it on display last night. It was really impressive. Absolutely. And there's a side note that I wanted to mention as well. Um, Laura Keeley, uh, I saw this uh, from her tweets last night, Apparently, Grayson Allen hurt his knee two days ago at practice to the point where he needed an X-ray, an MRI, and was on crutches. And he didn't look like he was hurt last night. I mean, he, you know, he stepped in. He, he performed pretty well considering that he wasn't on the floor that long. Um, but he wasn't, again, he wasn't lost out there in the court. And the fact that he was hurt to the point where they thought he needed an MRI and was on crutches, that's pretty r- miraculous that he uh, played last night. And that he played without, without you know, anybody really knowing that he was hurt. Yeah, and, and you know, it feels like he is light years of where he was a couple of weeks ago in terms of being comfortable on the floor, in terms of confidence in his game. I think we're going to see his role continue to grow. I, I don't think we're we're not going to see him playing consistently twenty minutes a game because you know, like we like we're saying, Coach K, I think knows who his five are. And and Allen isn't isn't there yet, but but he's going to be he's going to have games where he's going to be very valuable for us, and and I love to see the development that we've seen out of him in recent weeks. Um, and uh, you know it feels like every game he plays, I go well, well that was his best game so far, um, and I felt that way about the Syracuse game. Hey guys, I want to bring up one other thing. Um, I, you know we we talk and talk and talk about Duke. I want to talk about Syracuse just for a moment because. Well, it's easy to, to look at what Michael Benajay did and say, hey, he went bootsy on us. Um, and, and Roberson also had a huge game. Both of them had essentially career games for them. Um, we got kind of lucky, I think, because their best player, Rakeem Christmas, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. I, I, I was 
I couldn't believe how many of Christmas's shots seemed to roll off the rim, hit three or four pieces of the rim before falling off. Um, so Christmas had two meaningless, meaningless dunks in the final 40 seconds of the game when the game was out of hand. Before that, he was three of 15 for a grand total of seven points. You know, this is a guy who averages 18 points a game. And Jazilla absolutely outplayed him, destroyed him. I thought Ja got better position in the lane than he has in in several games. And as a result, he he had a huge, huge outing. Um, you know, really encouraging to see what he could do against Rakeem Christmas, who many people would say is, you know, the second, you know, or top three, top four uh, other centers in the country. Christmas did nothing, had a horrible game, and uh, Jazilla just firmly established himself once again as the best player in the country. Yeah, and I think the one thing that I did see last night with that battle, I, I thought that was a really key battle, is that a lot of the times that Christmas, quote-unquote, got the best of Okafer was when Robertson came over to help. When it was one-on-one, Ja was the man, and he – made sure that you know he was the man he, he established his presence last night very early and often um in the chicago style but I, I think that it was really you know christmas had a really hard time battling him one-on-one and, and when you had the two guys come over to help that opened up the zone for a lot of uh, a lot of pass passes to quinn in the corner and, or winslow coming down the lane uh for a lot of and one so i think that was a real key uh sam why don't you wrap up the uh, with your final thoughts we, um, I, I think I actually have a transition to get to the FSU game from here. Um, Perfect. Let's do every it. time we have, every time we have one of these, one of these games where Okafor goes up against, you know, a known, you know, major, uh, you know, opposing player, like a guy like Rakim Christmas or going back uh, a few months to Frank Kaminsky, it feels like Okafor really performs well against, against those guys who are the other, you know, top centers in the country. Um, on the flip side, Okafor struggles, it seems like, against the guys who aren't as heralded. Um, for example, Florida State's Michael Ojo, who, um, if, we can, if we can move to Florida State, um, Ojo played 20 minutes the other night against, uh, against Duke, which is the most he's played since November. And Okafor like, couldn't do anything against him, it felt like. Um, he was really disruptive. You, know, you might argue that there, that there were a few moving screens that he set and that for for such a wide body he he can wreak a lot of havoc on his own um by by setting a lot of screens but um man it's like it, it's like uh, okafor has he 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 does his homework when he knows that the opponent is good but when the opponent isn't as good it's like it's like uh he gets really frustrated um did, did either of you guys notice that and, and think that about florida state yeah, uh, I mean, I, it, it was a really frustrating game. Um, I, I, it's funny, uh, a couple people were talking on, online about uh, uh, Jason's predictions that they weren't a good free throw or a three-point shooting team, and they went seven for 14. Uh, so I think, jokingly, uh, Jason, I need you to refrain from talking about three points, uh, three points percentages in your uh, recap. But what did you see from Florida State? Well, yeah, I was going to bring that up, and I apologize to everyone. Apparently, the stat jinx does exist, and I am it. Um, (laughs) I think Florida State's like the third team in a row where I've um, uh, talked about how poor a three-point shooting team they were, and they went out and hit at least half of their threes, if not more. In fact, you know, by the way, to to reflect a little bit on Syracuse, at one point, Syracuse was seven of ten from three. And and I'd, I'd also dissed their three-point shooting, uh, not not the way I did Florida State. And I was like, oh, my God, have I done it again? Luckily, they, they then proceeded to miss 11 threes in a row. So maybe I'm not a complete um, stat jinx. Uh, you know, I, I agree the Florida State game was frustrating because you kept on looking at it and thinking, we're not just are we better than these guys, but we're pretty significantly better than these guys. Uh, and it just felt like, Florida State was able to to have you know bounces go their way or or get the key shot to keep themselves in the game and I, but it was one of these games I think I said this after the Georgia Tech game which was also close where I just felt like I never felt all that nervous I never felt like we weren't gonna weren't gonna win it um, I, I thought we did a nice job of dealing with Florida State's length um, even though Okafor didn't have a, a great game and did seem to have some trouble with Ojo. Um, Florida State is uh, huge. I mean, 
they're, they're, they're playing two seven footers at, at the same time, some of the time. Uh, and they almost always have the biggest guy on the floor um, be one of their guys, which is something Duke is not used to. And I thought we did a pretty decent job of navigating the, the difficulty that was that. Um, and then uh, Tyus Jones, you just can't leave that game without talking about the way he captained the floor and commanded um, control of the ball as the point guard. He created for us incredibly, uh, you know, it's silly to say, you know, we wouldn't have won the game without him. Of course, we wouldn't have won the game without him. But uh, it, it's pretty rare that you have a guy who um, uh, leads the team in assists and rebounds at the same time. I thought he had a fabulous, fabulous game. And, and why don't you do me a favor and talk about Quinn Cook a little bit, because the, the senior leadership we're getting from Quinn Cook, um, the ability to hit the, the key shot, um, to take on the tough defensive assignment. Um, I, I, I just I didn't expect we'd see this this year from Quinn. And it has been fabulous, fabulous to watch. Yeah. yeah I, uh, go ahead. Sam. I was going to say that I, I, I gave him my player of the week nod last week. Um, and I think I did it a week too early as far as, you know, what I was giving it to him for, which was the leadership and the poise. Um, he, like you said, he took the big shots, but more impressively, um, he's been taking on tougher defensive assignments. And in the past, when we've been talking about, you know, how's this Duke team going to play against whoever, if the other team has a really dynamic point guard or, or shooting guard, uh, the concern was that, oh man, what's going to happen if if Cook gets switched onto that guy, because um, that guy's just going to burn him. He's going to shoot over him. He's going to dribble around him. Cook is 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 an infinitely better defender now. It seems like he he locks up guys on the perimeter a lot a lot tighter. Um, he uh, I noticed in the second half yesterday against Syracuse, he was uh, he was on Benajay a lot more in the second half, and Benajay wasn't open as often. Uh, it's it's an incredible transformation, and and you know I think Coach K talks about you know grow every year and 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 he has that leadership now i don't know where specifically it it started for him um but i'm very impressed watching him on defense and he's playing the whole game too um quinn cook is not sitting down during the game he's got all the energy uh, as much as you know as much as the commentators yesterday wanted to talk about how trevor cooney never sits it doesn't feel like quinn cook or, or tyus jones ever sits either and they have been uh, ferocious on offense and and Quinn Cook especially on defense has been has been much better this season and particularly in ACC play where we've seen him fall off the last couple of years. Donald, what were you going to say? Yeah, so last night I it was an interesting uh, nugget with um Dan Schulman and Jay Bills who called the game talked about uh every time that they've seen coach K before when they call one of our games, uh he's basically said he started out every conversation with Quinn Cook has had a hell of a season so far. And I, you know, I'm I'm counting on the number of number of games that Shulman and Bills have called, and it's probably in the like six to eight range. So it, it's almost like if if Coach K was on the DVR forums, he'd probably get popped for a repetitive rant by now. But it's one that I think we all love that that he is having a hell of a year. He's he's becoming one of those players. He's having one of those seasons that remind you of uh, seasons like Chris Duhan or, or 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 players that like Nolan Smith who became a coach on the floor and I think that's what his role is and he knows what the team needs he knows what coach K wants them to do and he's even keeled he's he's showing a lot of leadership and it's really really helping us on the road I mean Florida State is is a is a great team against us when they play us at home and it's every you know it seems like every year that's the that's the game where we all look and say oh not again we're going to Tallahassee but it's their Super Bowl and in in the end you know, Ty Stones and and Quinn Cook were the guys that were basically saying it's time to go. It's time to get this victory. Let's wrap this up. And and like you said, Jason, I didn't feel any you know any nerves at all about this game, even though the end result was quite close. And so that will that'll wrap up. First <laughs> yeah, I loved everybody's speechless. This is we great. We good recently about about avoiding those, but yeah, but, but we had one right there. That was good. That was good. I, I I'm going I'm to put that feather in my hat, and we're going to move on. You, you so, are correct. You are correct, sir. <laughs> so that's done for the for the, the games for the week. But Jason gave us a teaser during last week's episode about our special interview this week. Justin Robinson, the son of the Admiral David Robinson. Uh, who will be joining the basketball team next year as an invited walk-on, was kind enough to jump on the podcast earlier this week and give some of his thoughts about what he thinks his role will be next year at Duke, and we get to learn more about this great young man. A quick backstory for all you out there. Jason 
uh, with, works for Top Golf and was at a grand opening event in San Antonio. And this guy gets to hang out with David Robinson, Justin Robinson, Kawhi Leonard, and Danny Green all night. He didn't invite us, but that's okay. We're going to get his thoughts on those guys afterwards. First, let's, let's kick it to Jason interviewing Justin Robinson. So, Justin, let me start with the most basic and obvious question, which is introduce yourself to Duke fans. Tell us a little bit about yourself personally. Don't talk about yourself as a basketball player. Tell us about Justin Robinson, the guy. Um. Okay. Uh, basically, I'm just like a fun-loving kind of guy, like kind of carefree. But I like I work hard in mainly just like school and basketball. Like I really can focus in on those. And then I, I kind of enjoy focusing in on those. So I like, get good grades. Uh, I don't know. I'm really good at math for some reason. Uh, yeah, basically, <laughs> that's about it. Well, you you must get good grades because I believe did you get into Duke as a as a student prior to sort of being admitted as a basketball player? How did that work? It was uh, sort of around the same time. Like I was going to apply to Duke anyway, just like as a school to go to because I've always been a fan of like the school. So as I was like in my application process, uh, Coach Shire called me and. Like we all, I started the recruiting process, and uh, yeah, early I, I got in early decision as a student. Well, and you then were, like, yeah, that was about it, really. Yeah, you're to be commended for that because uh, I, I have a son who's applying to colleges right now, um, and I know it is really, really hard to get into Duke. So you must be a very bright guy. Your, your family, your father and mother, must be really, really proud of you for for doing that. I want to move on from Justin the guy to talk about Justin the basketball player. Tell us about yourself as a player. What positions do you play? How long have you been playing? What's your game like? That kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I have been playing really as like as long as I can remember. I've been playing since I was super little. Uh, I've always been a shooter. Like that was kind of my thing growing up. And uh, really, I get evolved this year more than anything to playing all around for my high school team because my high school is pretty small so we don't have too much talent so my coach has me like bringing the ball up and uh, also playing inside because I'm a lot taller than all the other kids so now I would probably say I'm focusing in as kind of a stretch four going forward yeah so that's what I think I'll be how how tall are you now I'm six eight but I'm still growing a lot. So, like, I've grown, yeah. like, three inches this last year. Yeah, I was going to ask. Your, your dad was telling me when we were we were hanging out together, he said that he's, that you're like him. You're, you're still growing. Do you think you're going to get up to be 6, 10, 11, 7 feet like your dad? Um, I definitely hope so. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I just know I'm going to get a couple more inches. Well, we'll certainly take a uh, – 610 stretch four that would be a good thing to have <laughs> we had one of those we had one of those in ryan kelly and it worked out pretty nicely um t- tell me what are your expectations for your duke career um really i'm going in there with like a really positive attitude like i'm going i expect to play at some point like i, I mean i know it's all on me so that's like one of the big things like after talking with coach k and everything uh it's really like he's made it clear like if i if I'm good enough, I'll play. So really, I'm going in there. I'm going to work hard these first couple of years and really get my feet under me. And uh, I expect to like play. Maybe if I play a big role. Yeah. Now, I, you mentioned to me when when we first met, um, or actually, I think it was your father who mentioned. You think you're going to redshirt your first year, try and put on some weight, and and you know learn to play at, at this level. Yes, I I feel like that'll be the big thing for me uh, this first year is trying to, like, just get bigger and get more mature physically and mentally, like getting used to always having this, like, level of expectation and pressure on you. Hey, can I ask, what was it that made you pick Duke? I mean, you've got a brother at Notre Dame. Your father's a Navy man. Uh, you know, how did Duke become the school for you? Um, Really? It's just because it's, like, been my dream school uh, since I was little. Like, I've been a, like, diehard Duke fan ever since I was a little kid. So, I didn't have a real particular reason why I became a Duke fan. I just have been growing up. And 
like it made it kind of a really easy decision. Yeah, that that answer works. That's fine. Uh, there there are a lot <laughs> of folks like you out there. <laughs> uh, hey, did, did did any other schools recruit you? I, I mean, you've been a little bit under the radar from a recruiting standpoint, I guess, partially because you you've been growing late, uh, like your father did. Um, uh, what other schools talked to you? Um, nothing really heavy. Like I didn't have any other offers or anything, but uh, basically like. Rice talked to me a little bit, and uh, Navy called me, and then Columbia talked to me, and then some D2 schools talked to me. Yeah, well, if they knew that you were going to keep on growing, I'm sure you'd have a, a lot more offers, but I'm glad that, that, that we sealed the deal with you before anyone else could find out about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, let, let, let me ask you really quick um, uh, about your father, because... Um, you sort of can't talk about the Robinsons without talking about the Admiral. Uh, do you recall very much of his basketball career? How how old were you when he retired? Um, I was six when he retired, so I I remember like bits and pieces here and there. Like I remember like the finals hit last year, and then I remember like a couple All Star games, but that's about it. Have you ever seen the tape of when um, Duke played Navy in the NCAA tournament? Yes, I have. My dad has shown me it a couple times. He likes to show me a bunch of his old games. And, I don't know. I've, I I looked it up on my own sometimes. Like, it, yeah, I've seen it. Um, I, it, it. Your your father had a really nice game, but um, that uh, that that game and, and in particular, there's a play by by Johnny Dawkins where he puts a reverse dunk in a in Doug Wojcik's face. That is uh, <laughs> one of my favorite plays. I, I was at I was at Duke back then. I'm an old guy, so uh, so I remember that very fondly. It was it was a really wonderful game. Um, I, I saw on TV that you and your father came in for the Notre Dame game. Was that your first visit to Cameron? Uh, for a game, yes. I went my I guess going into my sophomore year and going into my junior year for uh, the summer camp. Oh, okay. All right. So that's that's how Duke began to get to know you, I imagine. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that visit to Cameron. Did it did it meet your expectations? Exceed them? What was it like? Well, it exceeded them by far. It was the craziest gym I've ever been in. It was the loudest thing, like all game long. Even when we were up by like forty, it was it was amazing. Um, now you've got a brother who goes to Notre Dame, um, who plays uh, wide receiver there, right? Yes. Um, did you uh, did you needle him a little bit? About the uh, the basketball game, <laughs> uh, I didn't talk like too much to him. I just told him I like made sure he knew we got we got him back because he he talked to me a little bit after they won. Right, so, right. <laughs> I had to tell him something. <laughs> it, it, it's sort of a, I don't I don't think Duke and Notre Dame are scheduled to play each other in football in the next couple of years. What what year is your brother at Notre Dame? He is going to be like he's a sophomore this year. Oh, so yeah. uh, actually, I need to look at the schedule. Maybe, maybe you guys will get to be at school at the same time when when we play play them in in football as well. Hey, can I ask you really quick about Coach K? Um, tell us a little bit about your relationship with him. Uh, you know, your interactions with him so far. What what what's he like? Well, uh, my dad has been friends with him for a long time. Like they've been friends ever since uh, I guess when he played for him on the Olympic team. And uh, really, like, I've met him a couple times here and there. And he's always been, you know, he, you know, like, he's one of the nicest guys. So he's always been very nice to me. And then uh, during those summer camps were the first times I actually like, talked to him a, a lot that I like, can remember. So that was probably the first time I really talked to him, like, about basketball or anything. And, I mean, he's always, he's always treated me extremely nice. Uh, I mean, like, I haven't even been up to school yet, and he's almost like a father figure to me right now. Like, I can tell, like, he really cares for each and every one of his players. Hey, what, what was it like when did, – did, was it a phone call where you got the offer from, from, from Duke to play basketball, to, to be a, a, an invited walk-on? Uh, what was it like getting that phone call? Oh, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing because uh, – John Shire actually like called me and told me and he was like my favorite college player ever. <laughs> so 
I was like starstruck. And then I was like, wait, this is a dream come true on top of being starstruck. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. So how long did it take you to say yes? <laughs> oh, I wanted to say yes right away. Like the only thing holding me back was the fact that I had to get like accepted to the school and I, I had to get my official acceptance. But that, like, I wanted to say yes right away. As soon as he called, I was, I was committed to it. It was, it was great. Hey, have you met any of the current guys in the team yet? Um, what what are they like? Yeah, I'm, I met them all uh, this last weekend uh, at the game, and they're all insanely nice. It's it's awesome talking to them. It was it was my first time like ever meeting most of them. I think the only one I met before was Marshall Plumley, but all of them came up and gave me big hugs and like welcomed me to the family. It was it was great. Like I felt really close to them. Uh, did did anybody? Um... I'm going to ask you for some inside dirt here. Did anybody mention anything about whether uh, whether our freshmen are going to be turning pro? Are, are you are, are any of those guys going to be teammates of yours next year? <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't talk to anyone about that. <laughs> yeah, you, w- w- once you get to school, you'll be under the cone of silence. You won't be allowed to tell us anything. So <laughs> I figured mm-hmm. I'd ask now, even though I figured the the answer would be that you didn't know anything about it. H- have Have you had a chance <laughs> to meet um, the other guys in your freshman class, Chase Jeter or Luke Kennard? Uh, I've, I've like talked to them a little, like through texting, but that's about it. I, I bet they're just as excited as you are to get, to get there and, and get started on what hopefully will be a, a you know, a, a great class for, for Duke. I know Duke fans are very excited about it. Let, let, let yes, me sir. ask one last thing, one last thing, Justin. Um, what do you want Duke fans to say about Justin Robinson, about, about you when your career is over? What, what what should be the lasting impact that, that you will have on the program? Um, I guess, like, obviously, like, I want them to remember me as, like, a great basketball player, but the main thing I would probably say is just, like, that I was always, like, a great guy, like, that they really, like, enjoyed having me there. Like, I don't want, like, any bad blood between, it, like, me or any of the Duke fans. Like, I just want them, you know, to really, like, enjoy having me play for them well that works that works and and let me tell you being on the dbr podcast is a good way to get that started <laughs> <laughs> listen man yes, thanks, thanks a lot again for joining us um you're, you're a very polite and uh a really great kid uh, I, I was thrilled to meet you and and i'm really glad you could come on and and give us a little peek into into uh you know uh, your decision making process and coming to duke um, we're, we're thrilled to have you on board. Can't wait for you to get here. And um, uh, I, I know you're going to have a great impact on the program. Uh, keep on growing. Keep on working hard on that game. Keep the schoolwork going because I know that's important too. <laughs> yes, and, uh, yeah, and, and, and we'll see you soon, hopefully. Okay. Thank you. Okay, Jason, thank you for that interview. That was, uh, I, I can't say it enough. This, this kid seems like a really, really well-balanced young man. The, the dude loves math. How many how many basketball players out there love math? I I I can't wait to see this guy uh, not just in you know wowing us on the court, but also in the classroom as well. Uh, Sam, what are your thoughts on on Justin Robinson? I'm not sure if if this comment made it um, <laughs> made it into our edit, but uh, as you pointed out, Donald, I liked I love that he pointed out that he liked math and that his favorite Duke basketball player was John Shire um, because if you asked me. Uh, when I was going to Duke, you know, how I would describe myself as a, as a prospective Duke student, I would have said, well, I really like math and my favorite Duke basketball player is J.J. Redick. Um, so he, he just sounds like every kid who's going to Duke. Um, he doesn't sound like a kid who's who's so focused on basketball. And that was really impressive. And, you know, obviously, um, he wasn't recruited traditionally the way that the way that the rest of the team is. Um, so there has to be a little more of that. I, I um he mentioned that that some of the other schools that he was looking at, um, you know, are are schools that are not in Duke's caliber basketball wise, um, but that are um, but that are in 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 their range academically. Um, and it's impressive that you know that that's the kind of kid that he is, and that and that he thinks he's going to contribute. Uh, I I haven't seen him play basketball yet, so I I can't speak to it. But if he, as as Jason mentioned, if he's a late bloomer like his father. Um, then man, people are gonna love are gonna love rooting for Justin Robinson. Um, I, I was I was really impressed with that, and and it seems like he has a really good relationship um, with Coach K already. Obviously, I think that 
stems from his father's relationship um, with him. But uh, just overall very impressed with the young man. And uh, I'm really excited to see him next year and, and to be uh, to be cheering for him. Absolutely. And Jason, you got to interview the guy. And, and when you tell us about it, you also got to tell us a little bit more about hanging out with so many big wigs and rubbing shoulders with uh, Danny Green, uh, who is probably not the most liked person on the DBR boards, um, and, uh, and Kawhi Leonard as well. Yeah, I, I'll get to that in a minute. But at first, I, I do want to reflect a little bit more on the, the conversation I had with Justin. I love that he starts out by saying that uh, he picked Duke because of the academics. Um, I, I think that's really important. Uh, I, I, you know, you want kids who come to Duke for the right kind of reasons, and uh, they're you know, and, and kids who are, who maybe aren't going to leave early. <laughs> Uh, and and it sounds to me like this is a kid who wants to be at Duke for for a long time. He he talked about redshirting his freshman year so that he can get a little more weight on his bones, a little more you know physically ready for for the rigors of college basketball. And um, yeah, his father, uh, the admiral, when when I was hanging out with him, uh, he showed me a couple of videos he had in his phone of Justin playing, including one swooping um, follow uh, slam. Um, not entirely dissimilar to what we were talking about that we saw from Justice Winslow in the Syracuse game. Uh, Justin is not the athlete that Justice Winslow is, but he's clearly a guy who who can get up in the air and and do some pretty athletic things in the air, um, which is very exciting. And uh, from a basketball standpoint, I love the fact that he talked about he was a shooter first and then he grew. And so he's now really envisioning himself as a stretch four. Um, that's a position that Duke has had great success with. Um, and, and uh, you know, the notion that Justin could be, you know, sort of a similar kind of player to a Ryan Kelly in terms of his role in the Duke offense, I, I think is very, very exciting. You know, I don't think we're going to see a, a ton from him um, his first year or, or first couple of years. But um, if he does continue to grow a, a, as he appears to be, um, I, I think he could turn into a real valuable contributor for Duke. And um, it, it, he, he's a great kid. He's really nice. He was, he was constantly saying, sir, when I was talking to him. And I'm like, I'm not sir. <laughs> I'm Jason. <laughs> And and that was that was really you know that, that was that shows me he he's been well raised by his military father the admiral, um who who by the way is one of the nicest guys in the world. All right, so you guys wanted to hear about it. Let me tell you a little bit. I can't I can't spill the beans too much about hanging out with the basketball stars at the Top Golf opening, but uh, I will tell you that Danny Green and I. So, you know, Topgolf has these big stars come out for their openings. You know, it's part of the publicity to let the community know that that Topgolf is opening. And uh, so Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard came out. Kawhi Leonard was kind of quiet. Um, and he didn't interact with the fans all that much. But when Danny Green was there and I introduced myself to him and we started talking a little bit, it, it's my job to liaise with these people. Um, uh, it came out that, that I'm a Duke fan. I went to Duke and Danny, of course, is a... Dancing Danny Green, very famous member of the North Carolina Tar Heels. And the entire night, he and I were sort of ribbing each other, going back and forth with Duke and Carolina stuff. He'd hit a he'd hit a bad golf shot, and I'd go, yeah, it looks like a Tar Heel. And then he'd hit a really good one, and he'd turn around, and he'd go, yeah, Dukey, match that. Come on, man. Um, he was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I wish, you know, I'm sure there are people who would love to hear that he was a jerk. I can't report that. In fact, I would say that Danny Green's a guy that I'd love to hang out with some more. He was, he was really cool. But... Pales in comparison to David Robinson, who was the nice one of the nicest men I've ever met in the world of sports. Um, incredibly gracious. He, he had sort of asked to not be bothered too much, um, and so we were kind of trying to keep the fans from bothering him because uh, you know he wanted sort of a quiet evening with his son and some of his son's friends. And uh, and yet when people would begin to approach, he would tell the security guards, "No, no, let them through." And and he was taking pictures with folks and and having conversations with people. Uh, an incredible gracious nice man um and i can't say enough about david robinson and and it speaks to his character that he sent his kid to the duke basketball camps and that he's sending his son to duke so uh props to that david um it, it just a, a fabulous fabulous guy and one of the best evenings um i've had in quite a while was uh, was spent hanging with him and his son it was a lot of fun that's awesome and and remember next time there's a top golf event uh, does a grand opening. Uh, I'm just asking for, for myself and Sam here, you know, just a couple extra invites. So just put our name on the list at the door so we can, so we can show up and, and rub shoulders as well. Um, but well, that was a good I, interview. I, I want you guys to know um, in like the next six to eight months, 
we're opening a new Top Golf in in the Washington D.C. area and a new one in Denver. Uh, I'll be there for both. Oh, opening, how, I think, so. how how convenient! How convenient! Yes. Yes. So we'll be so we'll be recording a live summer Duke basketball report podcasts uh, from Top Golf opening events all over the country. Yes. I don't know if I can transport you, but I can probably get you in. Let's do it. I love it. All right. So there's a big game coming up on Wednesday. I'm sure you guys have heard of this team. They're a team eight miles away from Duke's beautiful campus, uh, and they will actually be coming to our house. It is the UNC game. It is the game. We're ready to go. It's time to preview the Tar Heels. And I'm going to start with Sam. Sam, what are you, what are you looking for on, on Wednesday besides another 82-50 to 50 blowout? Um, first of all, hoping that it's an 82-50 to 50 blowout, but acknowledging that that might not be the case. Um, UNC got blown out yesterday by Pittsburgh. Um, and if we follow Pittsburgh's game plan, it was basically just make every single one of your shots um, and, and you will crush anyone. Um, but I, I don't expect that to happen to us um, because because uh, North Carolina normally is actually a pretty good team this year, uh, particularly on defense, which has not been their calling card under Roy Williams. Um, they're they're much better this year at, at locking it down, especially inside. Um, so as we say every week, it'll be interesting to see Jolly Okafor go up against, insert this week, it's Kennedy Meeks. Um, I think that a lot of people expected to see this year to be, you know, Marcus Page and the rest of the guys. And it hasn't worked out that way. But, you know, until recently, it, it's actually worked pretty well for them. Um, they've gotten really nice contributions from Bryce Johnson um, and Justin Jackson. And, and you know, as much as it can be a fun team to watch, because North Carolina is never fun to watch, um, they are an interesting team to watch. Uh, I didn't realize until until researching them this morning that they're second in the country in rebounds. Uh, that never happens to a to a UNC team. Um, so they're they're not playing Roy Williams basketball this year, and it's just the only like concerning thing that you can see about them is that they've dropped three of their last four games. Granted, two of them were against Louisville and Virginia, um, but uh, UNC is a tough a tough matchup. Um, I'm. I'm really interested to see how we attack them, and uh, but ultimately, I, I I think that we're better than them. I think that their best player, Marcus Page, would be maybe our third or fourth best player um, behind Four and, and Jones, and and even maybe Cook. Um, so uh, no, I'm 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 very excited for this game. I think it's going to be a good one, and and that that people are going to get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Uh, Jason, what do you see with with North Carolina? Well, I, I tell you, I'm I'm terrified. Of um, I know we don't play positions, but I'm terrified of the matchup at the four because Bryce Johnson has been coming on um, really big lately. Uh, I've mentioned in the past Bryce Johnson was um, Bryce Johnson by many people was expected to be an NBA draft pick after this year, and the first two three months of the season he had some decent games, but but he wasn't doing that much. Well, he has really been coming on lately. He's been shooting lights out. He's topped 17 points in five of their last seven games. He's had a uh, he's been become a double double machine. He's had 10 plus rebounds in four of their past six games. He's hit at least half his shots from the field nine straight games, and he's got that quick release and good moves around the basket. His quick release reminds me a little bit of of another UNC legend, Antoine Jamison, who who had an incredibly fast release. He would get the ball and it'd be up in the basket before you could even react to it. I'm terrified of how we're going to match up with him. Um, I, I don't know whether we're going to use Jefferson or, as we've been talking about, Kay seems to have been more inclined to go with, uh, you know, Justice Winslow at the four, playing Matt Jones, you know, as one of our five. And and I think Winslow's going to ha- really, really have his hands full against Bryce Johnson. And I want to add one more thing. You talked about their rebounding, by the way. Um, I'm terrified of them on the offensive board. They grab 42% of the missed shots as offensive rebounds. When they miss a shot, they're almost as likely to get the rebound as you are. Um, they're second best in the nation at offensive rebounding. Um, so I'm I'm really worried they may kill us on the boards. And then I hate to do it. I know I'm going to get in trouble for talking about it. but Don't do it, Jason. Don't do it. We know what you're going to say. Don't do it. Let, Donald, what were your thoughts? <laughs> I was going to mention their assists. I, you know, and you said you mentioned their rebounding. I think they're second overall uh, in the nation in rebounding total. So it, we really need to hammer the glass. We really need to box out. Uh, and and I, I think Coach K is going to do a couple more uh, uh, rebounding drills in practice 
but they also spread the ball very well. They distribute very well. They're seventh overall in assists, um, 17 a game. That's a lot of assists, and that's a lot of getting everybody involved in the offense. And you can tell when you look at their stat sheet of you know points per game, they don't have that many people that score over 10 points a game, but they have a bunch of people that score you know between 8 and 10. So they, it means that they're spreading the ball around and everybody is getting involved when they're on the floor. So uh, it's going to be uh, one of those battles where you know we always talk about records throwing out the window and all those other cliches, but this is really going to be a battle in the paint. Uh, for me, and also um, a, a big battle on the rebounding on the glass. So uh, I encourage everybody who's going to the game, one, if you have a spare ticket, uh, you can holler at me. Um, otherwise, if you're going to be there, especially the crazies, this is the game that we've all been waiting for. Cameron needs to be loud, fever pitch. You're going to need aspirin after the game type of type of atmosphere. So it's going to be one that we th those eight guys those 10 guys are going to need our support and this is the game that we've been waiting for so let's give let's give you and see all they have uh i'll kick it back over to sam you had any other thoughts yeah um you i i i sort of started by saying that um that we thought that the season was going to be marcus page and the rest of the guys and it hasn't really turned out like that it's worked out well for them as as you mentioned they move the ball around really well and and they don't rely on one guy to score it's kind of a terrifying prospect for duke that we're playing a team that has that has more depth than we have um, and that has scoring from more of their depth than we have. Uh, you know, the, the main thing we talked about with losing Suleiman was that, it, on, you know, since we also lost Ojale, now we're only down to eight scholarship guys. Um, and, you know, we're only playing about five and a half of them regular minutes in the last few weeks. Um, UNC really goes eight to nine guys and, and they're, they're all productive in, in some way. So um, that depth could end up being a factor. And I, I'm glad that, that Jason chose to highlight uh, Bryce Johnson because, uh, to me, Bryce Johnson is the player that James Michael McAdoo was supposed to be. Uh, you know, he's that, he's that big power forward who's supposed to, you know, get all around and, and make shots from, from everywhere. Um, and, and he never developed into that. And I think that, you know, we, we may have taken Bryce Johnson um, less seriously because we were like, oh, well, Bryce Johnson's just going to end up not, you know, not coming into his own like like McAdoo did, and and that's not the case. Um, he's been really good this year, and uh, and and he is going to be a tough guy to guard. So I'm I'm glad that Jason brought that up. Well, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks. Uh, I, I was gonna, the, the other thing I was going to add was that they're really good at getting to the free throw line, um, and we need to avoid foul trouble. We really, really need to avoid foul trouble. Like you guys said, they're way way deeper than us. They don't mind if the game is closely called. Um, but I think one of the keys for them, and we talked about the offensive rebounding, the rebounding in general, one of the keys for them is going to be getting to the free throw line. Um, and I'm not going to talk about the other thing, although I have some great stats I could talk about, but I'm not going to. We'll skip them. Uh, yeah, I, I think the free throw line is going to be key, especially uh, we can't get into foul trouble just, you know, given our bench is, is, is very thin. Uh, foul trouble is going to be key. And, I, and, you know, we always know that these USC games are, are called very tight in the beginning, and then they kind of, it seems like in the second half, they kind of let, you know, let everybody enjoy the basketball. Um, so hopefully that, hopefully that won't uh, be a factor in this game. But it's going to be a, a special one. Um, we're going to uh, – we're gonna love watching that, and and let's be let's be clear. I'm I'm going to be off the rails the entire day on, on Wednesday, like all of you, I'm sure are. But uh, let's uh, let's before we wrap up this week. Go ahead. I was gonna say, by the way, we should point out we're not gonna talk about Clemson because we're gonna do a special podcast after the Carolina game, and we'll preview Clemson at that time. Yes. So so if if you're thinking we're we're holding out on Clemson, were you gonna say that? No, no, it, that was that was a great that was a great mention. If you think we're going to hold out in Clemson, we're we're just holding off because we know how big this game is. We're going to do that uh, later on this week. We'll preview the Clemson game and recap uh, the Big UNC game as well. But uh, before we wrap up this week, we we want to pause to uh, give some quick thoughts on Jerry Tarkanian, who uh, is the former UNLV basketball coach, won the 1990 basketball uh, NCAA championship against us, uh, which was kind of sad, but. Uh, turned around in, in, one, in one of the more uh, miraculous games and best games probably in college basketball history, uh, lost to Duke in the 1991 Final Four, which uh, eventually garnered us our first national championship. He passed away earlier on this week. He was 84 years old. Uh, I always remember Tark the Shark for, for the towel. Uh, I remember growing up, I always had a towel in my hand uh, and would always eat it. And, I, I, and, and 
that was something that he would do on the bench when he got nervous at close games. Um, and it was kind of a, a tick that I picked up from him. Um, but uh, Sam, what were your thoughts? Any thoughts you have on Jerry Tarkanian? Well, just like uh, with Dean Smith last week, I, I don't really remember Jerry Tarkanian coaching. Um, I'm just a little bit too young for it, but I have watched that final four game. Um, and I obviously you know have read and, and seen a lot about, about those, those UNLV teams in the late eighties and early nineties. What I was really glad about was that yesterday on uh you know that or not yesterday but but during the week when people were providing commentary that they had jay billis um that he's you know a prominent media member because he coached those duke teams that that played against tarkanian so he he has a respect for the way that tarkanian coached his defense and i you know i've read a lot and seen a lot about about his famous amoeba defense and and also that jay billis is is you know part of Tarkanian's legacy as far as challenging the NCAA on, on, you know, the way that they operate and the way that they, they treat some of the student athletes. Um, he was a fascinating figure and, and he's a guy that I think is outside sort of the establishment, the way that, you know, coach K is very, very much a part of it. Um, but nonetheless, a clearly an important figure for basketball, a guy that, um, a guy that you know garnered a lot of respect among his players and among opposing players um, who saw the way that he treated his guys. Um, he he seemed like an impressive guy. I know that I know that some Duke fans didn't have such nice things to say about him earlier, um, but between him and Dean Smith, it seems like we lost uh, a lot of basketball acumen this week. So um, so I, that that's really all that I have to say about him. Um, Jason, what do you remember about the Tark? Well, you you really hit on it with. Uh with talking about the towel, uh, I don't think I've ever seen a coach who looked as nervous and squirmy and stuff like that on the bench as Jerry Darkanian did. Um, but, but at the same time, obviously a really, really brilliant tactician. He was a great recruiter. Uh, and you have to give him some credit, even though at the time, you know, we, we, we criticized him for, for being at odds with the NCAA. Uh, the guy who recognized that the NCAA was not fair, in his opinion, and he went after them and he battled them for years and years and years, um, taking it all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, a man who had great courage of his convictions in that regard. And over the course of time, you know, I think there are more and more of us who see the NCAA as a flawed institution that, um, you know, maybe isn't doing everything quite the right way. And uh, I think Tarkanian was one of the early guys to recognize that. Now, you know, I'm not forgiving some of the violations that um, happened around his program or that he was potentially connected with. Uh, you know, he's not someone who who left the game with a spotless record by any stretch of the imagination. But but at the same time, uh, again, I applaud the man for for his convictions. Uh, he was unquestionably a great coach. His players. Um, have have been quite vocal in in mourning his passing, uh, and uh, you know, it takes something to be uh, to win as much as he did, and to be a, a guy who, in some you know respects, was bigger than the game at times. Um, that, that's a that's a real statement about a basketball person that that his fame and his success moved beyond the basketball court. Um, he was the king of Las Vegas for a while, um, and uh, and he's he's certainly a personality who will be missed. Absolutely. Well said on both of both accounts. And uh, um, I think it's a, a very, very telling statement that a lot of these former coaches and former players who didn't play for UNLV have been speaking, you know, vibes about, you know, Tark the man and, and Tark the coach and just how, you know, how good of a coach he was. I think he was kind of underrated in, in the grand scheme of coaches, um, minus those, you know, two teams that were probably two of the best assembled teams in the history of college basketball. But uh, rest in peace. Coach Jerry Tarkanian. Uh, and we'll wrap up this week with our player of the week. Um, I think there probably won't be any surprise as to who the players of the week is for both people. But Jason, let's start with you. Who is your player of the week? I don't know who you thought I was going to pick, but I'm going with Tyus Jones. I think this is my third time in four weeks picking Tyus Jones. Uh, he had 18 assists this week. That's an average of nine. Um, he only had four turnovers. Do the math. That's about four and a half assist to turnover ratio. That's pretty good. 
Um, he's scoring the ball nicely, although he didn't have his best week from the field shooting wise. You know, he he didn't hit more than half of his shots. But who cares when you're when you're getting nine assists a game and only turning the ball over a couple times a game? Uh, I'll I'll certainly take uh, you know a point guard who doesn't quite hit half of his shots. Oh, and by the way, he had 12 rebounds in the two games. Tyus Jones is doing everything for this Duke team. Um, uh, you know, he was named one of the 20 finalists for the Wooden Award. Um, uh, absolutely a deserving recognition. Uh, I'd be hard pressed to name, you know, uh, point guards in college basketball who are definitively better than him. I'm not saying he's the best point guard in college basketball, but I think he's one of three or four guys who are in the conversation. Um, and uh, just just a great great week. And I, I really hope I'm talking about him again next week because um, if he's if he has a better game than uh, uh, than. Oh God! I just blanked on it. Who's the kid for Carolina? I can't Marcus believe it. Page. Marcus Page. Thank you very much. Like mind melt. <laughs> anyway, if he has a better game than Marcus Page, Duke's going to win the game on Wednesday. So uh, I hope I'm talking about Tyus Jones again next week. But three out of four for Tyus. Way to go, buddy. Sam, what about you? Um, you stole all of my stats and commentary. Uh, I was going to say all the same things about Tyus Jones. I've been extremely impressed with him, and I've held out on giving him the Player of the Week award for the last few weeks because I knew, A, that you were doing it, and B, because it's like I had somebody else who was, you know, he he was like stuck in Kyle Singler mode where he was always the second best guy on the team um, in my mind. Um, so, uh, but but this week, I think it's Tyus Jones. I think he he performed really well in both games, as you pointed out, you know, big assist and rebound numbers. Um, and... And to reflect that on the boards the last couple of weeks, you know, we've been talking a lot more about what his decision is going to be at the end of the season. And I think that at the beginning of the year, um, folks were not expecting him to leave early. Or I, I think it was a it was a smaller a smaller group. I think a lot more people are now like, hey, wait a minute, Tyus Jones is, is is playing really well. Maybe he's going to leave um, because he's because he's been blowing up, especially you know in ACC play uh, and. You know, as much as we don't like to talk about it, it also speaks to to how much his his game has improved. You know, throughout the season, um, even though he started really well, um, he's he's continuing to grow as a player and and within uh, within Duke's offense, especially. Um, I'm I'm really enjoying watching him. So he's he's also my player of the week. I, I'm well, sorry for being so predictable. It's fine. <laughs> well, I, I hate to be the one that actually does not make it unanimous. While I think Tyus Jones had a great week, mine actually is going to go to Quinn Cook. Um, 26 points against Florida State, 17 points against Syracuse. Uh, the main leader, one of the main leaders on the floor, along with Tyus, I think I think they both uh, performed exceptional this week. But uh, I, I really have to I, – I, I, thought in my heart about between Tyus and, and Quinn last night. And I just couldn't not give it to Quinn this week. I think he's, he's prayer of the week, but Tyus Jones also, you know, very deserving of, of the honors. And, and, and I recognize that as well. And, 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 and on, I was going to say on, on Quinn cook, um, I am sticking with my assertion from last week that Quinn cook is going to, is going to stay, you know, this great leader because Nolan Smith had to go back to Duke, um, to rehab an injury. I think it was an ACL, um, so as long as we're shouting out Quinn Cook, we have to. I have to mention Nolan Smith too. So Amen. Um, big ups for him. Sorry, Jason. What were you going to say? I, I was going to say, you know, we went through this whole podcast. We barely, barely even, you know, mentioned Jahil, J- Jahlil Okafor. The dude had twenty three points and thirteen rebounds against. <laughs> hey, the best it's just routine. <laughs> <laughs> he had twenty three and thirteen against Christmas, and Christmas did nothing against him. How did none of us give? A big jaw, Jawzilla, our player of the week. What do we? T- I think that I I think that there's the there's sort of the um the lingering thought that Okafor probably had about nine fouls in that game. Um, so uh, I don't know. He, he if if the officiating had been consistent, I feel like he wouldn't necessarily have been in there at the end and gotten the rest of those points and rebounds. Yeah, yeah, there were. There was a sequence with about three or four minutes left where he just bumped into somebody as the guy was shooting, and I was like, "Well, that's five. He's done." And and the official did blow the whistle, and I was like, "This is our night." It was so silly. Yeah, uh, but that actually is going to do it this week for uh, for the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Remember, folks, you can catch us on iTunes, you can catch us on Stitcher Radio, you can catch us on SoundCloud, and if you want to just chat with us, you can chat chat us up on the DBR forums. Um, thank you guys again. Um, for holding it down last week. Thank you, Mark Newton. Special shout out uh, for holding it down for me last week in my absence while I was at the uh, uh, U.S. soccer game against Panama, Jason. 
Uh, don't think I didn't listen to the podcast. And, and wait, wait, I, I knew it started with a P. I said yeah, like, you did. You were very close. You were very close. I, I knew it started with a P. I just had, I, you know, I had another one of those brain farts. Like I couldn't remember Marcus Page. <laughs> I couldn't remember Panama. So anything, it's okay. anything it's, that starts it's okay. I thought that Tyler Ennis was tri was Trevor Cooney last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for all you guys out there, thank you guys for listening in. And uh, we will check you in later in the week. Uh, for now, let the Duke basketball band, or let the Duke band actually. Wait, 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 wait. Remind uh -oh. them again. Thursday. Thursday. We're going to be on Thursday. Uh, that will be the day after UNC. We're going to record on Thursday night. So you guys should have it fresh for your commute on Friday morning. So you don't have to wait that long to hear our voices again. I assure you not. So with that, Duke Bastard, Duke Band, take us home. Let's get to UNC. Go to Hell Carolina.